Here's what you missed on Buck Sexton with America Now. The left has a hamburger problem, everybody. And uh, to explain exactly what that means, we've got Kyle Smith joining us now. He is critic at large for National Review. Kyle, great to have you on. Hey, thanks. Uh, the hamburger problem with the left. What is, I love hamburgers. What's their problem? The problem with the left is the, politici- the, politi- the politicization of everything. They politicize everything on the left. Uh, so when you're tucking into a hamburger, it's going to show up on social media. Don't eat hamburgers, save the world. Or have fewer children, save the world. Or, my goodness, don't drive an SUV. You want to save the planet, don't you? Or better yet, don't drive a car at all. You should bike to work. This constant hectoring from liberals is one of the big reasons, I think, uh, the Democratic Party is turning off so many voters and suffered such uh, historic and catastrophic losses last November. I also have to say that there seems to be some some glee from uh, leftist millennial types in in really leaning into uh, a, a kind of uh, Brooklynite elitism sometimes. You know, they, they don't hide it. I mean, you mentioned in your piece, Josh, uh, Josh Barrow, uh, whom I don't know, but I've seen some of it. I've read his, some of his stuff. I've seen some of his stuff on Twitter. And he's occasionally just like, yeah, Kmart people are gross. More or less, that's what he says. I mean, I'm not you know, that's not actually what he says, but that's kind of what he's implying. Yeah, it's a very condescending attitude. You know, the Democrats used to be the party of the people, the sort of the party that goes from the ground up. Now they're very much a top-down party. It's run, as you say, out of Brooklyn. Hillary Clinton's campaign headquarters was literally in in Brooklyn last year. And uh, she's sort of surrounded by people who say, wait a minute, uh, you know, we we don't need the white working class anymore, even though that's still a huge chunk of the country, even though uh, white people are still, I think, 72% of the electorate or something like that. They basically write them off and say, well, single women minorities, gays, cultural elites, people like this are a coalition, and we can just write off everybody from you know Pennsylvania to Wisconsin. Well, that didn't work out so well for them. And I think the sense that uh, uh, the, uh, the leader of the free world should be someone who, culturally speaking, is in your corner, someone who has your back, someone who, who sort of shares your, uh, your wish to be left alone, I think that's a very powerful determinant for who we vote for for president. Uh, uh, much more so than sort of specific policy proposals, you know, things like Head Start and boring stuff like that. Uh, you want the president to, to culturally align with you. I think for a lot of people, they think that that Trump being anti-political correctness is is a big attraction. Do you think that uh, the politicization of, of all things on, on the left, and I will also just put out there that I think at some level, uh, Twitter has, has fed into this. I actually have a lot of... Uh, a lot of sympathy for some recent uh, authors, pundits, talking head types who have said, you know what, I'm just I'm just done with Twitter because it's turned into uh, a, a snarky shouting match and, and people are just be acting like idiots on it all the time, which is unfair, but there's some truth to it. Uh, there's actually, I think, a good chunk of truth to it. But are we just more aware of the politicization of all things because of the social media dominant world that we live in now where, you know, yeah, somebody can, to your point about a hamburger, somebody can be a foodie who takes a photo of a hamburger, puts it out there, and now that's a comment board for people to say, do you realize that cow fart put methane in the atmosphere and methane just you know is one of the worst gases for the ozone and blah blah all that stuff yeah the the, uh, the internet in general is like a megaphone for people's bad behavior and i, I think probably staying off twitter will probably would be good for your mental health uh yeah you, you probably if you're uh if you're standing on the street corner and someone was drinking a soda or something you probably wouldn't feel 
uh, emboldened enough to lecture that person that soda is bad for you and it's going to lead to, you know, obesity and diabetes and higher medical insurance costs for everybody. But people feel free to do these kinds of things on Twitter and they kind of egg each other on. It goes farther and farther west. And as I noted in my National Review piece, once you get on the progressive train, once you're a professional progressive, that train doesn't stop till it gets to crazy town. All kinds of crazy stuff happens every week. I mean, we saw just this week uh, USA Today movie critic denouncing uh, the movie Dunkirk for not having enough minorities and women. Uh, we saw the Women's March tweeting out support for a convicted cop killer who's been hiding out in Cuba as a, as a revolutionary hero for the left. I mean, this is just totally routine stuff. Uh, you know, speech is violence, but violence is just a really neat form of free expression. All this crazy stuff is just completely normal within Democratic and progressive circles. And very few people have the guts to say, wait a minute, I, I'm a Democrat. I believe in, uh, you know, more entitlement spending, things like that. But I'm not down with all this ridiculous cultural stuff. And by the way, you mentioned Dunkirk. Uh, my brothers wanted to see it with me. You wrote about it on nationalreview.com. You are the critic at large. We're speaking to Kyle Smith uh, this weekend. Should I go check out Dunkirk if I can? You know, it's very intense. It's not bloody like Saving Private Ryan. It's not gory. There's no heads being uh, lopped off or anything. But it's just as intense as that first 20 minutes of Saving Private Ryan uh, all the way through. It's got uh, extremely loud, scary noises. There's a, there's a lot of men in peril. There's an overwhelming sense of uh, sort of uh, near despair and hopelessness because that, that was the situation on the beach while they were waiting to be evacuated. So, uh, you know, if that's, if that's your cup of tea, by all means, see it. Uh, I, I thought it needed a little bit more of the sort of Spielbergian, Spielberg kind of heart, and it was more of a great technical achievement and one that, that didn't emotionally grab me as much as uh, some war movies do. So what were your grade for Dunkirk? Oh, I'd give it three or three and a half stars, but I don't think it's a masterpiece, as some would say. All right, I think I might have to go check that out. Real quick, we only got about a minute, but what is Dog Dumping Millennial Style starring Lena Dunham all about? That's on National Review. Helena Dunham actually broke up with her dog and, and publicly posted about it. It was a completely ridiculous story. She had adopted this dog from a shelter, like a hipster dog shelter in Brooklyn. And uh, she, she blamed the dog, which she, she gave the dog uh, to a different uh, organization, even though the shelter she got it from said the dog had never behaved badly, she alleged. And also the shelter said she, she had to sign an agreement when she adopted the dog that if she didn't want the dog anymore, she'd have to return it to that shelter. So... Uh, she she lied about the dog's history of bad behavior. She claimed the dog had had abusive owners. The shelter had never heard that before, and she she basically covered her tracks uh, by completely misleading the public. Yeah. Even uh, even the dog even the dog didn't like her. No surprise, she's the worst. Kyle Smith, everybody, critic at large for National Review. Kyle, thank you, sir. Thank you. Like us on Facebook. Just search Buck Sexton.